Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. This is Nicolene Peck. And I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Peck. Say hi, Paige. Hi, guys. Okay, so Paige is currently 21 years old, and she's joining me from her university campus. So I'm glad that you can be with us today, Paige. We are talking about, on this podcast, we talk about everything related to self-government. And so if you have not seen or heard of me before, you might be wondering, well, what is that? Like some form of government? I thought I was going to be listening to something about the family. This is something about the family. Self-government starts in the home. A person learns self-mastery and how to govern themselves from their families. So, and that's where... Freedom is rooted, actually, in the concept that each person can govern themselves first, and that only after that, if they can't govern themselves in some way, would they need additional help from an outside source. But that outside source would always be recognizing the power and the responsibility that is within the individual to govern themselves. So my definition of self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them, which means that each person makes a plan and a decision which way they're headed, and then they they acquire the skills and the knowledge to help them get to their desired location, and they correct themselves on the way. And when I say location, I guess really what I'm saying is I'm saying um, becoming the type of person that they feel they ought to become. So anyway, and Paige is a product of a self-government environment because we raised all of our children that way, as well as foster children for many years. And she's a teaching self-government mentor, which means she, even though she doesn't even have her own family yet, has um, been able to help teach all kinds of families how to apply self-government in their homes. So we're happy to have her with us. And I always love doing things with Paige. There's hardly anyone that knows me better than her. So (laughs) this is... um, um, we are we are truly like the best of friends, right, Paige? Oh yeah, yeah, we're the best of friends. But we didn't, but we didn't become the best of friends by by saying to ourselves, "We're going to be the best of friends." I didn't say my daughter's going to be my best friend. No, it actually happened because we respected each other's roles, especially when roles changed. So I was a, a good daughter, and I respected you as my mother and my mentor and my guide. Um, And then when I became an adult, you know, your role changed to being um, a different type of mentor and guide where you didn't tell me what I needed to do and you didn't correct me anymore. But because you had given me correction and that type of guidance when I was younger, then um, I came to respect and revere your, your guidance and your counsel. Yeah, exactly. So your life was us living, like your your childhood growing up was us living our roles, specifically, um, you know, 
living who we were supposed to be in each other's lives. I was the mother. I was directing you and teaching you. And then you hit adulthood and you're directing yourself. Um, but occasionally you still come to me and say, Hey mom, what do you think about this? You know, do you have any advice about this? And, but for the most part, you are self-governing. And what that does is it creates a deep respect because we lived our roles then and we're living our proper roles now as we're changing and growing with age, we have a deep respect and care and and concern for each other, basically. Yeah, of course. Happens. Well, and self-government doesn't mean that you're all-knowing. You, you know, you, of course I'm going to go to other people. And being self-governed also means that you realize when you have a fault, and so you're going to go ask someone for advice who is more knowledgeable on that subject than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so today, before we get started into our main topic, which is open communication and how to facilitate more open communication and how to really use good communication time with your family, um, I wanted to share a family activity idea. So on our last podcast, uh, Paige shared an activity that we did together as a family. We done so many fun things. So we thought, you know, here and there, let's, let's share some ideas of fun activities that you could do. Maybe even this week you could do something like this, which is so fun. So, um, we invented a little play. It was a pretend kind of a game that we invented when, oh, Paige, I'm trying to remember how old you were. Maybe you were like five. We did it multiple times, many times. And it was, we called it checkbooks let's play checkbooks, mm-hmm, we would say. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it was like oh, we had a family that. town, remember? And, um, and so what I did is I took paper, and on one sheet of paper, I wrote checkbooks for, you know, the Peck family. Like yeah, I you actually, drew out checks. I designed them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was just on one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And honestly, nowadays, people probably have old abandoned checkbooks that they never even use that they could probably use. But anyway, um, but back then, you know, people actually did write more checks than they do now, although it's still a thing. People still need to know how to write a check, uh, you know, especially if they're ever going to like own a business because you always have to write checks when you own or a pay rent. Like where yeah. I live, I have to use a check to pay rent. Oh, there you go. See, so it's still a thing. We're not completely out of it anyway. So, um, And even if we do get completely out of it, I think the game's valid. I think that you can, you know, you can still have value in knowing how to make a document like that and, and understanding the history, right. Of how money transactions have happened over time. So anyway, we did this thing and I I made this sheet of checks and then I, I copied it. I made lots and lots of copies and then we cut them out. We stapled them all together at the top and I gave everybody a check register, you know, and then this little checkbook. And so that they could have their own checkbook and check register. And then we all made businesses, okay? So there was like mom's cafe, you know, and Paige's pet store and Quinn's taxi service. And and if I remember correctly, we were having multiple businesses. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was like, you know, multiple things. Oh, well, I'm going to Paige's pet store. Oh, I better leave, you know, Paige's grocery store and go to the pet store really fast, you know, (laughs) because... I got a customer anyway, but we would play, you know, and so we'd set up different areas of our house, like, 
you know, whatever it is. But Mom's Cafe, I loved capturing that one for myself because basically I could just be in the kitchen and have a menu and people could come up to the counter and quote-unquote pay for our food. Yeah, order, and it was like lunch, you know? Like, they could just be like, I'm hungry, I want a snack, and so they go to Mom's (laughs) Cafe. And it was going to be something I was doing anyway, so we just added it in as part of the family fun, you know? Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, and our little taxi service, I remember Quinn's taxi service, he like set up chairs, you know, in like, <laughs> like it was a car, and then, you know, you'd get in, and he'd tell you he was taking you somewhere, and anyway, and then you'd always have to write a check, can you imagine writing a check to a taxi driver, that's so funny, anyway, so, <laughs> but, but, so we had to write checks again, and again, and again, and we'd play this game, you know, on and off for a couple of days in a row, and then it'd go away again, and then we'd bring the game back. Oh, but it was so fun. I remember that so much. And we would make up new businesses all the time. Yeah, it was. It was really fun. But that's actually I mean, honestly where I learned how to write a check. There, there you go. There you go, right? Age five, page mastering check writing. Oh, yeah. You know, well, and learning how to spell out all the numbers, you know, because you have to write yeah. them all out. And, Especially like, if you're um, homeschooling, this is good stuff. Yeah, that's true. We homeschooled. So obviously, this was a big part of our homeschool in the day fun experience, you know, that we were doing, but it was pretending. And when you pretend together as a family, there's just a beautiful bond that happens there. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say, I loved pretending when I was a child. And so with my children, I liked to pretend with them you know and in a way I, I kind of miss that can't wait till one day there's grandchildren and I get to play pretend a little <laughs> bit more again anyway it's so fun it's so fun anyway so that's one activity for you if that if that is fun for you um if you're the type of person that might like, like to step out of your comfort zone and play pretend and put on an apron and call it your cafe and give everybody a checkbook then there you go it would be a fun thing so um that's one type of communication right that happens in it's about a specific topic that happens during playtime okay but then there's other types of communication that we want to have to make good strong relationships with our family so we are going to be calling that good open communication so Paige when I say open communication to you what does that mean well the first thing that comes to my mind is kind of like everyone's feelings are on the table So everyone knows how everyone else functions, how everyone else feels because they were able to communicate that in advance Mm. in a situation that was not hostile. And so, you know, things aren't being taken personal and everyone knows, like everyone just knows what everyone's thinking and feeling. Okay. I love this because your definition of open communication is so well-rounded, right? And I'm like, yay, she really (laughs) knows this. Anyway, it's so well-rounded because you actually said some things in there. You said everyone's feelings are on the table and everybody, you know, feels like they understand everybody else, okay? But then you also said nobody takes things personally, okay? You know, so 
like you're not getting upset and angry and overly emotional. So most people think you got to have one or the other of those things. Uh, no, no. But you can't have both together where it's like, hey, I have a feeling right now that I think I want to talk about, but like that doesn't mean everybody else needs to be affected by it. That doesn't mean that everybody else needs to be, you know, worried or offended or coddling or, you know, that there can be this feeling of love and comfort and communication and understanding in this communication and total openness with feelings, but not emotionally controlling others. Or judging others. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's, um, well, oh, it's a tall order, isn't it? So that's, <laughs> that's good open communication. And I have to tell you, I mean, open communication, you don't just turn on a light switch one day and you're like, boom, I'm good at this. You know, like, I mean, you can, there's some people that are better than others. There's some people that have put in more time trying to perfect the way that they communicate with others. There's other right. people that tr quite frankly, don't care how they can, how they communicate with others. They just want other people to give them what they want. That is really ineffective communication. Oh, it's so true. In fact, I had an Toxic. experience just the other night where I was talking with some friends of mine in another apartment and all of them are frustrated with this one girl because this girl, she is, you know, she's, I think she's around 21. Um, she has a significant other that is over there all the time and her brother is also there, but she uses her roommate's food and doesn't pay for her own. She doesn't help clean up. She has no regard for other people's feelings. Her roommates will be falling asleep and her and her significant other will be watching a movie very loudly in the other room. And she doesn't really communicate at all. She doesn't talk to anyone. And when someone does talk to her, she makes up an excuse as to why that wasn't, why that claim isn't true or she just kind of brushes it off. Yeah. So she's not, what she's doing is she's not actually valuing the other people around her, right? which then makes them not value her, which then what happens is everybody starts judging, right? Right. Yeah. My one friend who yeah. lives in that apartment, she told me, you know, I, I struggle with a few things mentally and, you know, my home has been a place where it's a place of peace and where I can, you know, where I can collect myself. And this whole last week, it hasn't been. It's, I've had to leave the place because it's so chaotic and I just can't function there. Mm. Because when there's bad feelings, right? That it doesn't, your, your relationships are strained and you, you know it, you know? Right. And it's not just one or two girls. All five of the girls are so annoyed with this one girl. But the thing is, is it's not just her fault. Like, they actually probably have their own fault in it. And that's the thing most people don't see is because it's really easy to see because maybe at the very beginning, they didn't set up a, hey, how are we all going to communicate? And what if we have a problem with something? How are we going to solve it, right? You yeah. know, if, if you don't do anything proactively like that, then that leaves everybody on the defensive when something happens. Mm -hmm. nobody has a proactive approach that they have planned to take as a group. 
And so essentially you have the, this apartment of roommates, but it's like a little family. I mean, you know, it it's is, kind of, it's your home away from home if you make yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, in a way, it's like your college family. It's like who you're oh, with. For me, it so is. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's valuable to have those bonds and those relationships right there. Right. So anyway, um, yeah, in this particular case, I think that, you know, I mean, I'm not there. It's hard. It's hard to ever know about being there really what's going on. Right. And, and you probably don't even fully know because you're just hearing secondhand from everyone but her. But then that means that you don't understand where she's at, but she could have not ever been trained how to have good open communication with somebody. So if anybody tries to bring something up to her, she could feel offended by it. Well, and she doesn't even, she doesn't even communicate with her significant other. We're calling this a boyfriend, right? It's a boyfriend. (laughs) Oh, fiance. Okay. 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 Yeah. Got it. So she does. So like her roommates are concerned there too, because they, they don't really talk. Anytime people try to, someone tries to talk, they just start making out. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, you know what, that could end up being really, um, dangerous and that, you know, know. but maybe the guy himself actually isn't a very great communicator either. And you're right. They could end up having some struggles in the future that there's Mm -hmm. nothing anybody else can really do about it because nobody has a role in her life that, that is living there as advisor. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's the struggle that they run into, especially when you get a group of women, okay? Yeah. Young women all living in an apartment together. Well, women have this automatic, like, nurturing gene, okay? <laughs> they want to mother other people because they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is going off. I will now mother you, you know? Yeah. And this is, this is a girl thing that girls do. And, it's, um, and so when you have a whole bunch of girls together – it's really tempting to want to mother another person in a way that you tell them what's wrong and what they need to fix and everything. But if that's not your role, it's always going to backfire. Right. Right. Every time. So, so there's this role of peers, but this role of family kind of, and this, you know, and, and you, you care about the other person you want to help. Well, and just them. an element of respect, which yeah. from what I've heard, this girl actually does not have. Well, so. now we just have to remember we only heard it right? So that's yeah. the thing. It's hard to say, but, but the, the point is that without good communication, and I think this is the point you're trying to make mm-hmm. is that without good communication, the relationships in this room, in this apartment are falling apart. Oh, they're, for sure. They're struggling. Everybody's feeling ill-used. Maybe that girl is feeling ill-used and not understood. And the, um, clearly all of the other girls that have talked with you are feeling ill-used and not understood. Yeah. And so, so what does a wise friend do? Maybe I'll just give you a little advice right here on the phone page. I mean, on the, we're not on the phone, we're on the, the podcast, but, <laughs> right here, but right here on the podcast, I'll give you a little advice. What a wise friend does is a wise friend says, oh. I see how that could be so frustrating. I see how that could be so hard. I wonder where this other person might be coming from and maybe if she has a lack of training in a certain area. I wonder if there's anything that we could do to be more charitable, to just understand her. And maybe when it's not a time that there's a problem, I wonder if there is a way that the group could have a planning meeting for how to 
better get understood as a group. Now, whether they're willing to do that or not, because that takes commitment and time and humility on everybody's part, but that's pretty much the only thing they can do. Either they've got to just accept the no answer and just drop the subject and deal with it because they live with her and what else can they do? Or, and either way, they need to try to find the best things about her because otherwise they'll end up judging her and that will eat them up more than what she's doing. Right. And so the good friend tries to point them toward truth. Okay. Toward truth. Mm -hmm. And that would be good communication to have with them. So I don't know if that helps you at all, but I thought I'd just throw that out there. (laughs) Um, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about communication. Okay. Um, there's different ways to communicate. All right. So there's, my dad, by the way, was a communications teacher, a professor of communication, still is actually to this day. Um, and he's classic for saying there's a lot of different ways to communicate. There's nonverbal communication and there's verbal communication. And I guess you could even say there's semi-verbal communication, which is like written communication. It's like words, but like not coming out your mouth, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's coming out of pen. And so, um, but there's things that we do to communicate. So right now in that, that apartment, which I'm just drawing on as an example, there's tons of non-verbal communication that's going on. Oh, yeah. There's, there's disregard by the person and maybe her you know, significant other. And then there's also frustration that's coming out in certain movements from the other people or other people secluding themselves, maybe in other rooms. I don't even know if this is happening. I'm just saying it could happen. Right. And, and if those types of behaviors are going on, those are all nonverbal communications that you're bothering us. We don't feel connected to you or you don't care about me and you don't understand me or I don't care about you or whatever it is. So there's a lot of, it's all kind of selfish nonverbal stuff that's going on probably on just about everybody's part. Mm -hmm. I I would imagine if they're like regular humans um, and they're not like narcissistic, that they probably try to serve and be kind to each other here and there, and then they get frustrated again. And then it happens again and and again, and it goes back and forth. And the thing is, is it's lots of times the nonverbal communications that lead to those, those extra frustrations that then get expressed verbally sometimes to other people and then create another problem. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so there's nonverbal and there's verbal. That's important to know. Um, And parents communicate with their children and children communicate with their parents in both of those ways, right? How, How often have parents said to me, you know, oh, every time I say something, they roll their eyes. Well, what is rolling their eyes? Nonverbal communication that clearly says, you're bugging me again and I really don't care. That's what it says. And and if the person did not want to say you're bugging me again and I really don't care, they should not have chosen to roll their eyes. You know, it's true. Body language is huge. (laughs) It's a big thing. It's a big thing. And we all read it and we all assume and we all use it. Mm -hmm. And we do. And sometimes we're not very good and deliberate about using it the correct way you know, um, meaning that we're not uh, planned. We just let that stuff fly off the handle and then it creates problems for ourselves. I remember I've done some things in my husband and wife relationship where sometimes I've done, you know, some sort of a look or whatever. And all of a sudden my husband would be like, 
you know, what, why are you giving me that look or, <laughs> or, Oh, so you're so frustrated. I'm like, wait, I'm not frustrated. And he's like, but you gave me a look. And I was like, did my look come across as frustrated? I didn't know it was a frustrated. <laughs> and I really truly was taken back. Like, I'm not frustrated. Where did he get that? You know, or whatever, you know. And so you can sometimes, you know, come across the wrong way. So you do need to be careful about that. But today we're going to focus more on verbal communication. Okay. Yes. So um, we, we've touched enough on nonverbal. It's there. It happens. It's part of our tone, our presence, and how we feel in any situation. And even when we're doing verbal communication, the nonverbal communication is the loudest communication that's going to be coming through, even though we're use, using actual words. Actions speak louder than words. See that? That old adage. It really is true. It wow. really is true. Yeah. So... Um, what would you say parent-child talks, if we're going to talk about talking, okay? Parent-child talks, what are those for, Paige? I would say that those are for mentoring moments or correction moments or praise moments. Nice. I'm glad you got all those different aspects. So kind of training and teaching, correcting somebody, praising someone, telling them they did something well. Yeah. Okay. Those are all, those are three great ways to be talking to your children. Um, and during each of those types of communication, there should be bonding that happens, right? Oh, of course. That, that should be part of any of those types of communication. A type of a unity and connectedness should be felt. And then understanding, right? Understanding the other person and where they're really at. And, and I suggest to you, uh, parents, don't open a conversation with somebody unless you really want to be understanding of the person. Because otherwise, it's manipulation. And that's the honest truth. If you do not go into a conversation with a spirit of, I want to understand where you're coming from, then instead, you are just trying to figure out another way to force your ideas or your desires on another person. And that is called manipulating. And it feels like something you can't trust. It's very true. Yeah. So you have to be careful about that. And tone does a lot for that, right? To show how open and understanding you are. But, but also just really listening to the person and what they have to say. Yeah. Which ties back to last week's podcast. Wow. Yes, that's true. We did talk a lot about listening and about time, right? Yeah, Taking yeah. that time to really do that listening. So another thing that I would say a parent-child talk is for is to feel comfortable. Now, remember, we just said, well, it might be training someone, correcting someone, or praising someone. Well, it's easy to see how maybe praising someone could feel comfortable, but correcting, most people don't associate being corrected with feeling comfortable. Well, and that would be because, you know, speaking from experience sometimes, is sometimes when you're being corrected, you feel attacked. Aha, see that? Yes. Yeah, or so if a parent sees their child did something wrong, and I'm sure you've seen it often enough, it's like, why did you do that? That's not okay. Blah, 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 blah. That is a form of correction. It's not the correct form, but it is a form of correction. 
yeah, the parent isn't having any self-government there, yeah, no. right? They're just letting all of their emotions and everything fly. And somebody could call that open communication. No, that's very open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's... Forceful that's, open. But that is actually manipulative communication, right? It's trying to instill fear, helping, it's taking things personally. That is not a freedom. There's no freedom in that type of open communication. And and true open communication should actually have a feeling of freedom. Mm -hmm. And that's why it feels comfortable. Yeah. Because it feels like, okay, we're talking about real things. We're not hiding anything and we're not trying to control anybody else, just ourselves. And we are going to get somewhere with this. And that brings me to the last bit that I wanted to bring up um, about what what I thought the talks were for. And that's direction, you know, um, pointing in the right direction. Where are we going to go with this talk? Why, you know, why are we having it in the first place? And so mentoring, correcting, and praising, as you mentioned, are all things that point in a direction toward doing something better or that kind of thing. But, you know, there's other... Or achieving something. Yeah, there's other things we talk about, um, you know, and there's other ways that we talk. Sometimes we talk in groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we talk one-on-one. You know, sometimes we talk on the phone. Sometimes we talk in person. Um, sometimes it's a scheduled thing and sometimes it's an impromptu thing. So, and I, I think basically the, those are, that, that's two differences. Is it schedule, a scheduled talk time or is it an impromptu talk time? So impromptu talk times might be something where like, you know, my daughter London calls me on the phone or, or Paige calls me on the phone and says, hey, you know, I needed to ask your opinion about something, da 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 da, or I had this struggle today. And I just wanted to tell you about it and tell and, and see what you think. Yeah, it's where your response is not previously thought out. Right, right. It just happens right in the minute, right? Or somebody might say, "Hey, mom, I, I need to talk to you about the schedule for this week." Oh, okay, okay, sure. We'll talk about that. You know, but then there's another time we talk about the schedule for the week, and that's when we have our family meeting. That's mm-hmm. part of our weekly family meeting is discussing that schedule. And I don't have time to go into everything that we do in those family meetings. They're a key piece of our family government structure, so that we all learn self-government. Um, but that's a scheduled talk time. Right. When the whole family gathers together and has that once a week meeting. Yeah. And we, we know also, it will be discussed. Exactly. We also have um, mentor meetings where those are scheduled each week. Each person gets a mentor meeting with the parents. Um, and those are, those are both parents, one child, or at least one parent, one child meetings that happen. Uh, again, I don't have time to tell exactly the layout of all of these meetings because that's not the angle we were going. Oh, but they're with so today. good. Those Go are look on great. teaching self-government for those. Yeah, that's right. Go to teachingselfgovernment.com, and there's there's meeting journals there that have the forms, the structures for the meetings, and small trainings. There's also um, the teaching self-government implementation course which has printables of things about the meetings and trainings for how to do the meetings. And of course there's information about them in the book, Parenting a House United as well. So there's plenty of places to get help on teachingselfgovernment.com. So have both of those types of 
types of talk times, impromptu as well as scheduled. Don't feel like you have to schedule a talk time every time something happens. People should be trained in a family to be able to adapt to, oh, someone needs to have a talk right now. That's okay. And we need to adapt to that. Some people don't like that. They want everything to be planned out so that they can, you know, plan every word they say, but then that starts to feel a little bit too artificial for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. have both types of talking. All right. So we're going to talk about some principles of creating good communication here. Um, Paige, what would be something you would bring up as far as uh, creating good communication? What's one of the principles that you feel like you learned maybe growing up or maybe even you're still learning? I would say for me, honesty is a huge one. Um, because if you're being sure you can be open in your communication, but if you're not being honest in what you say and in what you convey, then there's not really a point for that communication. Hmm. Okay. So you're saying you can be open, but maybe not being honest, which means that you're not centering fully on the truth. You may be telling someone something in the heat of the moment. Is that what you're saying? But like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're focusing on anything that's going to be productive, which usually is founded in truth. Yeah, maybe. Or even like if you look at a movie example, say for like the cartoon, the princess and the frog, like the, the charlatan magic man, he was all sorts of open communication, but none of it was true. Mm he used it for manipulation. So I guess another way to look at the word open when it comes to open communication is truthful communication. I like that because there actually is closed communication, isn't there? There's the type of communication where you're telling someone just what you think they need to know to get them to to do whatever it is. And that actually suggests you know, that you're, that there's a little bit of a wall there that you've created a, created a barrier where you're holding certain information and only giving other information. And so, and the way I think of that is you've got this teenage, let's say son sitting there and you're trying to say, well, you know, well, where did you get this or whatever? Or, you know, why did you do this? And he's thinking to himself, I'm, not divulging that. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. And so instead he looks at you with a snide look on his face and he says, why does it matter? So he's saying something and he's trying to derail and take a conversation. Quote unquote. Yeah. 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 But, but that's when parents say to me, they're putting up walls. He's just putting up walls. He won't talk with me. And he, he, and he's like, I do talk to him. I talk to him. Because, okay, well, let's talk about what talk really is, okay? So we're talking, we're saying actual words, but um, we're not actually being honest. So I love that yeah. you make, I love that you make that, that distinction because in my opinion, so if I'm going to ever have a talk with somebody, if I'm going to talk to Paige, now I am ultra deliberate, okay, in everything oh, I do. Oh, same, oh, same. I am. And, and I have to just say that, like, sometimes I have to go, 
okay, Nicolene, now there, there isn't anyone in this room that is ready for you to have that kind of a talk with them right now. So just don't, right? And so then I have to tell myself, don't. And that's self-government, right? To give yourself a no answer. But, but I love to have the types of talks that lead to more truth. More truth for me, more truth for the other person that I'm talking with. Because when good open communication happens, truth emerges. Mm-hmm. So that's the beautiful thing is sometimes I, you know, we're talking and I'm like, yeah, I've never thought of that before. In fact, that happens a lot with my children, with my husband, with my friends, with the people that I'm talking with. So to me, the point of a good conversation is to lead someone to truth or to find truth. Further enlightenment. Yeah. Otherwise... I mean, what is the point? Just to, just to check something off the list, just to keep somebody out of my hair. That's not Change a principle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to show a little concern could be something, but that concern is part of, a, part of a goodness, right? That I would consider to be leading someone to a truth that, hey, we all care about you, right? So to me, right. that's a, a, an effective... Uh, good communication to have. So I so want to, to sum up, you're saying communication is the vehicle to which we explore, find and accept more truth. I like that. Yeah. And I, and, and when I talk to my children, especially because one of my role is I'm there, I'm supposed to train them and teach them. And, you know, that's my role as mother. But when I talk to them, I want them to love truth. I want them to love truth. So if, cause this is vital. Okay. This is the, if at the end they love the truth, the talk time was worth it. Oh, but yeah. in order for them to love the truth that's presented, they have to feel love from the person who's sharing the truth. Mm-hmm. So it has to be presented in the right way. Yeah. Well, because because the thing is, is that people, you know, parents will say truths to their children all the time. Oh, yeah. But they say it in this way that's like, listen, if you go out on that road, you're going to get hit and you're going to get killed. Okay. That's a possibility. That is and that truth. should be true. <laughs> that's a truth. But the, the children are just like, ah, they're so controlling. Because Ooh, lectures, is, we love that. Yeah, no, see, lecture is not good communication. No. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's open, but it's not loving. Well, and the thing is, is that when you come across like, dot, 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 then that says, I am controlling you right now. You have no choice. Yeah. And so even if you don't hear the word control come out of their mouth, when they say, don't you go in that road, blah, 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 you know, you're going to get killed and smashed and whatever. Then in the child's mind, they're like, they're controlling me. Well, and if think they, of the body language that goes with that finger pointed, scowling face, you know, body right. going forward. It's just, it's not a comforting, loving right. body language. Right. Exactly. And so automatically, there goes the wall that goes up. They stop <laughs> listening to the communication. The, and the wall went up with the tone. The parent oh, yeah. actually started the wall. And a lot of parents that start the wall actually always say, my child always puts a wall up. And when we really examine closely what's happening, we realize they're putting a wall up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the child is reciprocating with another wall. Right. Is, is really what's happening. And so then only little things that require making sure everyone gets fed and gets to where they need to be on time get set. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes the parents think, well, we've achieved success because no one's fighting anymore. <laughs> but in reality, you don't feel that bond and connection. So where are you? you know? No, you then just feel like your children are a nuisance or your yeah. parents are the worst. Yeah. So really, um, I mean, I, I think from this particular podcast, if you could remember one thing, it's probably this point that you're supposed to be leading someone to truth. They won't find the truth if they don't feel the love from you. Like that is probably the number one. Your tone has to be okay. Even mm-hmm. if they've done to something disappointing that you now need to discuss or correct, your tone has to be okay. Well, and think about it. If you think of all the revered world leaders, you know, Mother Teresa or Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. or whoever, you know, all these people, they led with love. They didn't, they didn't, you know, yeah, they didn't use guns. They didn't use forceful words. They didn't, you know, attack other people because of their beliefs or their ideas. They said, well, this is what we believe to be true. Mm -hmm. And so this is how we're going to live. And people now revere them for that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think maybe next time we ought to go into, um, you know, that, that parenting tone of calmness and discussing how to maintain that, you know, because, because we're touching on it here, but we can't spend enough time. How to stay calm. Yeah, there is a whole class I have on it called The Power <laughs> of Calm that somebody can listen to, and, and you can find that again on the website, teachingselfgovernment.com. So yeah, it is people's favorite. favorite I say it's probably actually. your most popular class. Yeah, I think it is. So let's talk about a few more of these things uh, before we're out of time here. Um, so we, we're saying don't lecture. That's an important one, okay? Yeah. The talk needs to be not about just you talking. Right. <laughs> That's important. So sometimes that means you got to be patient. What? And you got to wait. No. Wait for them to talk. I'll tell you what, when I had foster children, uh, many of them for, were very obstinate and were pro at putting up walls and only telling <laughs> people exactly what they wanted them to hear or know or whatever. Um, and so that was, that was something I had to try to break down, okay, so that they didn't carry those walls with them. And one of the key things that I would do is I would have parent counseling sessions with them. That's another thing we talk about how to do in the Teaching Self-Government program. Um, but these would be meetings where we discuss one in particular thing. You can learn more about how to do those um, in other places. But... Uh, or I would have a mentor session with them, a weekly mentor session with them. And I would ask them a question and they would say nothing. And I would sit there and I would wait and I would say, yeah, I know. Sometimes it takes a minute to think. So don't even worry. I'm not in a rush. And, and saying that is much different than saying like, well, we got all day. We can sit here until you answer my question. Because that second one is, listen, I am controlling you right now. Yeah, and it's very passive-aggressive communication. Totally, totally passive-aggressive. But instead, I would just say, you know, I know. I know sometimes you get asked a question and it's hard to even know what to say to it. And don't worry, there's nothing you can say that would be wrong. So, 
you know, I, I can totally wait. And, and so, and then I sometimes might even say, do you want me to repeat the question? Or do you need any other clarifying questions? And then I would sit and wait and be patient. And I'm saying all these words really, really slow when we don't even have much time because I'm trying to give you the feeling of what it can feel like sometimes, you know? Well, if you really love the person you're talking to, you're going to give them a little extra time because if you're just frustrated with them and you're trying to correct a problem right then, then of course you're going to be curt and you're going to try to be efficient instead of effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. And sometimes people just don't want to take the time. And right. that's the thing. So we had, and we talked about time last week. Boy, did we talk about time. Well, yes, so if, if you did not hear about awesome ways to, to uh, improve the time you spend with your family, that's last week. Yeah, but you cannot listen. You actually can't listen um, if you don't choose that it's okay to, to wait and to, to give the time. And yeah. listening is required for good open communication. You oh, have so to is, listen. Because you have to be able to understand the other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you are talking about these truths, so I... I've noticed now we said don't lecture. Okay. And I want to make sure that that's hit real home, but also I've noticed that there's many people on the other side of things who don't say enough, or maybe even they do lecture, oh. but they still don't, but they still don't get to the point. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that talk all around the periphery. Like, well, I feel this. Well, it's, it takes a lot of my time to do this. Well, other people don't appreciate it. If <laughs> they beat it, around the bush. Well, they say all kinds of stuff, but it never hits the point. Right. And so I like to talk about what's happening on the outside of the person and on the inside of the person. Okay. So I like to say to them, so I've noticed that when, when so-and-so um, is playing, you seem to like to play with them. Is that right? Yeah, I do. And I've noticed that sometimes when you want to play with them, they tell you they don't want to play with you. And that that's happened too, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, when somebody says that they don't want to play with you, that might kind of make you feel a little, a little frustrated sometimes, or maybe even a little sad. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there is a way that we could talk to them about that so that they know you want to play with them and that they can feel comfortable with you playing with them. Maybe there's some reason there's something that you've done before that they is a reason they don't want you to play with them. Maybe we could ask them about that. Right. So then it's like, wait, that person's not bad. It's not, it's not them against me, bad person, good person. It's wait, did, did, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking, does this person go and destroy so-and-so stuff all this time? <laughs> well, then that's why they don't want them to play because they're building yeah. something. They don't so it's, it's really seeking, it's really seeking to understand the other person and the whole situation. Yeah. And then to be understood. So Exactly. Well, then you go to that other person and you ask questions, right? Yeah, Together. you don't just assume. Part yeah, of and that open communication is really, you know, like I said, seeking to understand the other person. You don't just make assumptions. 
yeah. of what's yeah. going on. You say, hey, you know, this is kind of what I understand, but you know, is, this, is this really what's going on? So you talk about what's happening inside the person and outside the person and not just them, but maybe even the other person, if it involves yeah. other people too. And then, and, and that way you hopefully can come to a place where everybody loves and appreciates each other. Yeah. Then you help them make a plan for success, right? So, okay, well, let's make a plan of how to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is the type of things that we, we do impromptu in all the teaching moments with teaching self-government. And we yeah. hook those with skills that we use that that help us be able to narrow down with the children so you're talking about seeking to understand then to be understood well there's a skill that we teach the children called disagreeing appropriately that we would utilize in this situation wouldn't we we would say oh there's a skill we know let's practice using this skill together about playing together right now Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we would we would use that together and you know what that does it brings them to the truth the truth is not that that person is bad and doesn't like you. The truth is that there was something that happened in the past that makes them a little wary. And so we have to talk about it and make sure that we promise or that we acknowledge it so that it doesn't happen again. And then we can move on. The truth is it was just one moment that may have caused a, a ripple effect that needs some adjusting, right? That's right. the truth. And when they come to these truths, and the truth is everybody's still loves each other and everything's fine. And I can like my brother or sister when they come to these truths, they find consolation. They find hope, yeah, comfort, understanding, and just freedom. But they have to have someone who has seen that truth and is able to help them find it, not just give it to them, yeah, but help them find it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we, with teaching self-government, we have set meetings, you know, Um, sometimes things get going so well, you're like, there's hardly anything to talk about. My children are so good. You know, (laughs) I don't have to correct them. They don't argue with each other. They don't, I mean, I could say that about me, you know, about my children. They, they do so well. Um, If I didn't look at what was going on in their lives and decide to pull them and decide to talk about them or not to talk about them, but to talk with them about the situations that they're in, you know, or have these regularly scheduled meetings, then, you know, we probably wouldn't do that much talking. When your children are doing really, really well, still pull them aside and still talk. And like Paige says, praise and that kind of thing, because, um, Good communication is what good relationships are built on. And so if you want to keep having a good relationship and have that relationship go the distance, you've got to keep exposing the layers of yourselves to each other. And and this includes your feelings. And we can talk in another time about feelings and about how we can share feelings as a family, but not have them put us into bondage, which is a whole other thing. We don't have time for that today though. Um, I think we're probably at the end, but if you want any more information about anything we've talked about today, go to teachingselfgovernment.com for that. And maybe if you can just remember one thing today, one thing is help your children love the truth. Find the truth. Don't just react. Don't just be emotional. When you're talking to the children, this is a a sacred time, as it were, that you get to help them understand vital mm-hmm. truths that will benefit them and, and, and make happiness for their whole lives. Yeah, and I would say parent from a source of truth mm. because you're not going to be able to find truth or help your children find truth 
unless you already have a source of truth that you're working from. That's true. Surround yourself with good, um, good things with true sources. That's true. I love that page. Well, thank you all so much for joining us and we will talk to you again next time. Maybe about calmness, maybe about feelings. I don't know. These are some ideas that we just got today and we'll start throwing around with you again next time. And until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.